0: Nice to be here. This is much nicer than my tent down at Parliament. Um, so. Um. <laughs> uh. And the new people are going, is he joking? And I'll let you continue to wonder. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, um, lovely to be... Oh, man, can't taste anything. No, it's fine. Um, um, great to be here. Lovely to hang out with you all tonight. Lovely to um, um, commission, um, dedicate our chapters tonight. Um, yeah, going to celebrate chapters tonight. Um, chapters are a core part of Renew Communities, which are the four communities of Brooklyn, Lyle Bay, uh, the Free Store... And where are we, Blueprint? Um, and, um, and so this is a special moment where we um, commission those people. Um, and um, I'm going to share a bunch of what I think is some of the heart of that tonight. Um, but what I want to say to you tonight is this is one expression of radical mission, radical hospitality, um, and, and prayer. Um, and so if you find yourself not a part of that crew tonight, um, I think sometimes we can like um, feel that to emphasise one thing is to de-emphasise everything else. That's not what's happening tonight. This is just a core part of who we are, so we want to celebrate that tonight. Um, and so I hope that what you'll hear and what I share is not a um, why are you not in chapters? <laughs> um, but as a, um, these are some values we think are really, really important to being followers of Jesus um, and find a way for those to be true in your life. And there are many ways for those to be true in your life. Cool. Um, so uh, tonight will be a little bit high challenge. Um, and um, um, and um, really, I guess, talking to the core of um, what we understand um the church needs to become um in the words of our bishop justin duckworth the western church is um flabby bloated and idolatrous um at the moment that the western church is not who we are meant to be um, and that we have given up our holy call and we have become lazy in that call and we have become self-indulgent and individualistic and consumerist (laughs) um and um, we are not in a healthy place is the Western Church. Um, and so um, throughout history, if you want to read um, the, some of the stuff that Ez talked to before, the history of of the, the the church, is that in these times when the church has become bloated, flabby, and idolatrous, God has raised up groups of people, often monastic communities, monasteries, and edge groups, who re-inspire the church to its holy call, and to a more radical and wholehearted following of Jesus. Um, and so that is is really what we're talking tonight, is people who are saying we are not content to turn up on a Sunday and complain that the coffee wasn't as good as it was at the other church down the road. <laughs> you know, we are not content to be consumers, but we understand to follow Jesus. We are all responsible for the gospel to come in this nation and um, for um, for the oppressed to be set free, um, for the blind to receive their sight, um, to declare the year of the Lord's favour. Um, so, um, The place I want to begin tonight um, is I've been thinking um, recently, we can never, ever hope to give back to God everything that God has given to us. We can never, ever hope to give back to God everything that God has given to us. There is nothing we can do in our lives um, that would be worthy of the sacrifice that Christ has made on the cross. And there is nothing we could do in our lives that would be worthy of the air that is put in our lungs and the creation that we get to roam around in. Um, There is nothing we could do that would be worthy of the family that God invites us to be a part of. There is nothing we could do that would be worthy of God's spirit coming to us. God's generosity will always so profoundly outstrip anything we can give back. And that's so okay. That's the generosity of God. Um, But there are some things um, which can respond in gratitude to who God is in our lives. And I think um, one of the biggest gifts we can give back to God is who we become in our lifetime. And how we are shaped and how the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of our lives and how we are transformed. One of the best gifts we can give to God is to lay our lives back to God again, to put them back in his hands and to be transformed um, that we are shaped into faithful, passionate and compassionate people. And so I want to look briefly today at, um, at three things which I think create who we become um, and create who we hand back to God um, throughout our lives. And some people would maybe call this spiritual formation is how are we formed into the people of God. I'm going to tell you a few stories for probably about 10-12 minutes and and three things which I think are significant for this chapter crew, but for all of us. Um, First thing I want to talk about tonight, um, my parents have been, uh, when I was about seven or eight, my dad lost his job. Um, and I uh, couldn't find another job, and so they decided to buy a motel and restaurant. So at about the age of seven or eight, I moved into this motel and restaurant with my parents. I uh, as being like a total workaholic, because <laughs> a motel and restaurant is like 24-7. Um, but one of the good things I picked up is I was always meeting lots and lots of people who were really different to me. Uh, we always had tourists coming through, we had truck drivers coming through, we just had this constant flurry of people from all around Aotearoa and the world with really, really different experiences of life, um, and so from a really young age, I kind of got used to um, translating and um, and understanding different different kinds of um, different kinds of lifestyles and, um, and and different cultures and ethnicities. Um, but one of the things that um, that I remember noticing as a kid, um, is when we'd have people come through from um, hot countries who loved really, really spicy food, Um, what they would do the moment they arrived in a motel room is seal every door and window and the curtains, crank the thermostat as high as they could possibly crank it, and then just out would come the spices and they would just like basically create a mini home um, in the space. Um, and I remember at the time feeling like this is just like like so, so odd um, because I was, you know, a little Pakeha kid from Pakeha suburb, you know, didn't really believe there was another world out there. But I also knew that sometimes that it would be so intense that actually these rooms couldn't be let for a couple of days afterwards because just Westerners were just not used to like this kind of intensity. And I remember I didn't really understand it until um, I started um, doing trips to the developing world and I remember walking into a room in Cambodia and immediately going over to the thermostat and turning it down as low as it could go and then going to the dairy and, uh, the dairy and finding a Mars bar <laughs> and I thought like oh yeah it's just totally the thing we go somewhere and we try to feel at home eh um, and um, apparently I heard this a little while ago apparently New does smell sickly sweet of dairy to the rest of the world <laughs> that kind of gross, eh? like, apparently I'm like, man, apparently everywhere we go, people can just smell dairy on us, Um, even the vegans, I heard it's worse, Um, but, um, um, and anyway, um, I was, I was, like, thinking about this, and I was thinking the beauty of this, that um, people come to the other side of the world to travel, um, and they get into this room, and they just create this one little oasis of home, you know, this one little place where they're like, yes, this is our climate, um, this is our food, this is our way of being, you know, might have said their prayers and their create this, this little spot. Um, and I was thinking about some of our communities in a similar kind of way. Um, we are called strangers, aliens and foreigners by Paul as followers of Christ. Um, that we walk around in a world which is not quite our home and which we aren't made for. Um, and there is a spiritual temperature to the people of Christ There is a spiritual temperature to the people of Christ, but there's also a spiritual smell to the people of Christ. Um, Paul actually talks about this too. Like we are meant, in the words of Jenny Duckworth, we are meant to reek of Jesus, to just smell to high heaven with the aroma of Jesus. And um, Paul said this, um, 2 Corinthians 2.15, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Like we are meant to just smell with the fragrance of heaven. Um, We are meant um, to just be drenched in the spices of our homeland (laughs) and in the temperature of our homeland. Um, And I remember hearing another story about this, which is kind of gross, but I was once on a plane sitting next to an air hostess. And um, one of the jobs she had was when a long-haul flight would come into Auckland from like LA or somewhere, she was one of the people who would open the door, help open the door on like a 747. Um, And she said that when that door opened, the aroma that came out at you caused you to physically gag. (laughs) Because you had 450 people who for 13 hours who had been burping, farting and sweating in this container together, eating bad food and this aroma would just wash over you. Um, And um, I kind of thought, man, that is like so a picture of absolutely any community who roll together. I don't know if anyone's rolled up to a Christian camp halfway through. And everybody else is used to the bad smell of everybody else, but you walk in, you're like, these people need a shower. Um, and if they live in chapters, they didn't shower for a week beforehand anyway, so it's even worse. Um, but um, we become, like much like these people sitting, sitting in a, a long tube for 13 hours, we become the product of the community we hang out in. Um, Whether that's an ethnic community or it's the brief community of people sweating together on a long-haul flight We become who we hang out with we become the water we swim in we become the air that we breathe And we live in a post-christian society 24-7 every day And every day that we are out there we receive thousands of messages that tell us we are not worthy of God's love And that this God could not possibly love us if this God even exists And every day, 24-7, we receive thousands of accusations that prayer and hope are a naive and foolish pursuit and to give in to cynicism. And every day we imbibe thousands of ideologies which teach us a version of justice which is not the justice of Jesus. That is the plane we travel in, (laughs) is that air. That is the stank that we roll in day to day. You are, as a Christian, a person on a long-haul flight trying to stay fresh. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. And we want to reek of Jesus. We want to carry a different aroma to the world that we roll in. So if you are going to become like Jesus, you need to make some incredibly ruthless and radical calls about how you are going to stay fresh on that long-haul flight you need to make some incredibly ruthless and radical calls about how those thousands of messages that you hear day to day are not going to be the messages that disciple you into a religion of consumerism, capitalism, individualism and self-centeredness because that is the water you swim in and that water will overtake you if you do not make radical, courageous, reckless decisions to not be overtaken by that. You need to make crazy decisions about how you will be a product of Christ and not the empire you live in. If you want to be like Jesus, the only way that will happen, and I know this will be controversial, but I said high challenge. If you want to be like Jesus, the only way that will happen is if the predominant influence on your life is the spirit and the people of God. The only way you will end up looking like Jesus at the end of this life as if the predominant influence on your life is the Spirit and the people of God, because everything else is pushing you the other way. Everything else is the recycled air of that 13-hour tube. So we become, the first thing I want to say today, we become who we hang out with. And across my life, I'm sure many of you have... Um, when I was 13 or 14 I came to faith I um, started going to this little Anglican Pentecostal youth group and the leaders of that were this amazing brother and sister uh, Chris and Heather Darnell Um, Chris is now an Anglican priest yeah yeah Jeremy was at my youth group Um, um, I was at Jeremy's youth group Um, and, um, and man like I had never seen anyone talk about Jesus like Chris talked about Jesus eh like he was just the nerdiest cringiest guy But he would just get up there and his body would become explosive and enormous with just his passion for the gospel. And he had this big purple vein in his forehead. And the bigger the gospel got in him, the bigger the vein got on his forehead, you know. And I just remember, man, I'm like, there is a way to follow Jesus where you can just be captivated by how good he is. And that just never left me. I I was captivated by how captivated he was. That aroma stayed on me. The guy who started this church, Brooke Turner, um, it must be 16, 17 years ago, we rolled together for a few years, um, ran a youth centre called Zeal. Man, Brooke just believed that with God nothing was impossible. (laughs) And there was just never a no with Brooke, eh? So it's just everything we went after, we believed that if God had called us to it, then God would come through for it. And that aroma of just like reckless faith, that just never washed off me. Um, and, um, and then a few years ago, I started hanging out with, um, with, with Justin. And um, man, just this like compelling thing in Justin that believes that faith is only really lived if we are giving our best for the very least in society. And that just never washed off me. You know, we become who we hang out with. We become who we hang out with. And if you want to become like Jesus, if the gift we want to offer back to Christ for all he has done for us is who we become, then we need to begin by thinking about who we hang out with. And in the case of chapters, these folks commit each day to wake up through the wall from people they want to be like and they want to smell like. hopefully. (laughs) Um, They eat with the people they want to be like. They learn with the people they want to be like. They fight with the people they want to be like. Um, They are one of my parents' hotel rooms where they get in there, they crank up the spiritual thermostat and they reek of Jesus together. And so one of the biggest gifts we can give to God is who we become. And in the end, we become so much who we hang out with. Second thing I want to look at today, I don't know how many of you are familiar with um, Matthew 25. Who here knows the, the parable of the sheep and the goats? People familiar with that? So it's this kind of scary thing that Jesus puts out there where he talks about the end of all things and about God's judgment. And he basically says this judgment will come down to those who cared for the poor and those who didn't. And he says those who cared for the poor were the sheep, the followers of the shepherd, those who didn't care for the poor were the goats. Um, and he it says that he will divide them in half. And the interesting thing is he says he says to them when you clothed the naked, when you healed the sick, and when you fed the hungry, you did the same thing for me. When you were serving the hungry, when you were clothing the naked, when you were healing the sick, you were really feeding clothing and healing me. You were serving me as you served the least of these, And the compelling thing I always find about this Matthew 25 passage, which just blows my mind, is the goats, those who didn't serve the poor, they say to Jesus, they say, when was anyone naked? We didn't see any naked people. <laughs> when was anyone hungry? We didn't see any hungry people. When was anyone sick? We didn't see the sick. And much like in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, they were those who walked by and never saw the ones who were suffering. But the thing that blows my mind is the sheep asked the same question. said, when did we tend to the sick? When did we feed the hungry? When did we clothe the naked? And they asked that question for two really different reasons, because for the sheep, the love of God had so transformed their lives that to clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, and to heal the sick had become the unconscious fruit of their lives They didn't even notice they were doing it anymore, that God's love had so thoroughly transformed them that they asked the same question, who was sick? I don't know anyone sick. Who was naked? I don't know. They didn't even remember it because their lives just dripped and reeked of compassion. And so they didn't get to the end of the week and go, oh, yeah, I was hanging out with my homeless friend. (laughs) Thank you, Charlotte. Um, But they got to the end of the week and they only saw friends and brothers in Christ and they were so transformed that who they were naturally healed the sick, clothed the naked, fed the hungry. I reckon that's so powerful. Unconscious habits are really powerful, eh? Those things which become unconscious to us that are just so deeply ingrained in us that, that we do them. Um, one of our favorite poets around here, Padre Tuma, he says this, how you live a day is how you live a life. How you live a day is how you live a life. The unconscious decisions you make each day ultimately form the life that you end up living and who you become. And so the the second thing I said, first up, we become who we hang out with, but secondly, we become what we do every day. We become what we do every day. Some people wake up every morning, probably many of us, and unconsciously reach for our phone. It's the first thing that we do, and we don't even notice we do it. Some come home every night and unconsciously turned on turn on Netflix and an hour in wonder how they ended up watching it. Some people come home unconsciously and open a bottle of wine. There are a bunch of unconscious habits in our lives, but are they unconscious habits that are forming us into people of Christ? How you live a day is how you live a life. And the power of this life and community that we live is. Um, I was reminded of it. Um the other the other day when i was thinking about a conversation i had with one of our chapter leaders late last year um the last couple of years i've been through a really really tough time and um and we were sitting at this at milk crate and she said to me um how's your walk with jesus how's your prayer life at the moment and you know when someone asks you that and you just kind of want to strangle them briefly um, <laughs> like how's your prayer life how's your journey with jesus you know jess might say how's your spirit scotty um <laughs> um and um and I just said, man, I've been praying all year for God to come through in some of these particular spaces of brokenheartedness, um, and, um, and I just, I don't feel like God came through, and so I don't really pray. I don't pray anymore. And then I was walking away from that conversation later on, and I was like, hang on, I get up at 7am five days a week with all my flatmates, and we go downstairs and pray? <laughs> But the thing is, that habit has been going on for over a decade in my life. And so it was a case that so unconscious has become gathering with a group of friends and praying together, that when someone said, when do you pray? I was like, I don't pray. <laughs> now, definitely, you know, me and Jesus are going on a journey to 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 enjoy, again, that intimacy of the places where where I'm in pain and where I need to talk to God on my own but the beauty of that rhythm is that it had formed an unconscious practice in me that I didn't even have to think about on a bad day. God, through that practice, had transformed me into someone different. See, the way of chapters is, and the the way for all of us, is we want to have a life where prayer becomes so unconscious it's natural, where hospitality becomes so unconscious it's natural, where a life of friendship with those on the margins becomes unconscious because it's so natural. So that we one day might be asked the Matthew 25 question of like, did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the naked? Did you heal the sick? And we'll say, I can't remember doing any of that. But the unconscious fruit of God's spirit in our lives had just worked that in us. Like That's the stuff we want, eh? I think that's what Paul talks about when he says pray continually because I think of man having to put aside like half an hour each day or, or constantly pray through the day. That's not going to happen. But unconsciously being formed, to constantly be talking to God, that I can imagine. And one of the biggest gifts we can give to God is who we become, and we become what we do every day. Then a, a final thought here. Jesus said in um, Matthew six twenty one, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In other words, you become what you hold back. You become what you hold back, what you hold back from God, what you hold back from one another, what you hold back from the poor. You become, in the end, what you hold back. I want to tell you a a parable from the Anabaptist tradition. A great party was organized for the whole town to celebrate together. It was agreed that everyone would bring their best bottle of wine and contribute it to a communal vat to make one great rich wine. As the people arrived, they all took their best bottle and poured it deep into the enormous vessel. By the evening, over 100 bottles had been added. The mayor of the town stood to give a toast. The people raised the glasses to their lips and drank deeply. A hush fell over the crowd, for all they could taste in their cups was water. Man, that is the Western Church, eh? Hey? That is just the Western Church at the moment. That we're all meant to turn up and give our best to the kingdom of God, but we all pour in water hoping nobody else will notice. We all pour in water. And then we say, we complain, we say the worship's no good. The teaching's no good. There's a lack of community engagement. We complain because there's water in our cup, but we only ever put water in the vat. And we complain that it never was what it meant to be. while we, while we get exactly what we put into it. I've never heard a person complain about what others aren't doing for them while they're adding wine to the vessel. I've never heard a person complain about what others aren't doing for them while they themselves are adding wine to the vessel. And this is the Western church at the moment. as people sneaking water in and not laying our whole lives down and not bringing the best of who we are to the kingdom. Matthew 9, 38, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You become what you hold back. And so I feel Christ asking us in this age of the Western church, who will bring their very best? Who will bring their very best for God? Who will bring their very best for the person who lives through the wall from them? Who will bring their very best for the poor? Who will not bring water to the vat, but will bring their whole heart to Christ and say, make me into your disciple? Who will am- empty their bank account for someone who needs it? Who will give their time to deep prayer and intercession instead of, instead of binging another series? Who will give the spare seat at their table to someone no one else wants to invite? Who will put wine into the vat? Who will give their lives away? There's um, an interesting passage to, to finish on. In John 6, we hear the story where... Um, Jesus has been amassing these thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are following him, these disciples. And he gets to a place, and he starts to tell them this idea that he is enough to sustain them, that they need nothing else. And he chooses this visceral image, which we speak of when we take communion. He says, unless you eat my my body and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. Unless you are sustained by me, You cannot be my disciple. And then what happens is thousands and thousands of people, he's been gathering this massive crowd, they just gap in that moment. They're like, we're done. Too much, too far. And only the 12 are left. And he turns to them and he says to them, so what are you going to do? Are you going to leave too? And their response to him is, where else would we go? We left our homes, <laughs> we left our jobs, we left our families, we left our livelihood, we left our security. All we have, Jesus, is you. And man, that is what our church needs. That is what the people in this society who desire to know Jesus need, is people who live such a commitment to God, that when the question comes of where will you go, our only answer is, we've got nowhere else to go. We threw it all in on Jesus. We don't have a plan B. We don't have another option. This is us. And so for these folks signing up to chapters this year, it's a statement that they are desiring to hold less and less back from God and less and less back from the poor. They want to live lives that are so all in for Jesus that on a bad day they're able to say, where else would we go? We burned the race to the ground. We've got nothing else to give. So we can never give back to God all that God has given to us. But one of the greatest gifts we can give to God is who we become. And you will become who you hang out with, so hang out with those who reek of Jesus. You will become who you hang out with, so hang out with those who reek of Jesus. And you will become what you do every day, so make sure your unconscious practices are ones that you like. And you will become what you hold back, so make sure that you give all you have for the gospel. Make sure that you give all you have for the gospel. He is worth it. 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 Jesus is worth it. He is worth our all. He is worth our all. He is worth our all. And so um, in a moment, um, we're going to invite um, our chapter folks and all of us to say some liturgy together, Um, but I'm aware that that's a bit of a, um, so, um, I, um, invite you to, um, briefly, um, why don't you, um, uh, turn to the person next to you and just share one thing that is sitting with you at the moment.